I want to uh, speak to you today uh, from 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. Now, as you know, we do uh, our Wednesday night Bible studies. And this is a time where you really get a chance to learn about the Bible. Because we take a book of the Bible and we go through it one verse at a time. We really teach you the scriptures on Wednesday nights. We also do it on Sunday mornings, but it's more topical, jumping from one subject to the another as we feel God is leading us. But uh, on occasion, I will share something on Wednesday night that uh, God just puts on my heart and says, man, you need to share this with everybody. And uh, we uh, read this verse of scripture, portion of scripture a couple of weeks ago, but as I was praying this week about what to speak out, I just felt like God was saying, you need to share this word of encouragement to everybody. So we're gonna do that this morning. Now, looking at 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, it says, now Elijah the Tishbite, we're reading about Elijah, and that's interesting. When you read through the Old Testament as we've been doing, um, sometimes they go through huge chunks of time in just a couple of verses. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 boom, and then this guy shows up. And, you know, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then blah, 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 and then Moses comes along, and then blah, 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 and this kind of thing. Then David comes along, not in the Old Testament, about David. Uh, and then it's kind of blah, 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 blah again, and then all of a sudden it slows down, and now we get to Elijah and Elisha, these two prophets. And by the way, it's highly entertaining to read about these guys. Let me encourage you, come on our Wednesday nights as, as we really delve into these portions of Scripture. But the Bible slows down here with Elijah, this incredible prophet. And we start reading his story. Now, it says that Elijah, this Tishbite guy, comes to Ahab. Now, Ahab is the king in Israel at this time. He is one seriously bad dude, okay? He is really lots of trouble and uh, he's as wicked as he can possibly be. And he has a wife by the name of Jezebel. You ever hear that phrase, you Jezebel? You know, there's a thing, thing that you say to really nasty women. You're just a Jezebel. You know, that, that comes from this lady. I mean, when you're still using your, her name as nastiness 4,000 years later, you one bad chick. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is this lady. She's just nasty as she can be. So Ahab and Jezebel are just wreaking havoc. And they're just, as, they're just being awful. And uh, uh, God uh, uses Elijah to come to Ahab and says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he basically stands up to Ahab, says a, a horrible drought is going to come on the land because you've been so disobedient to God. Well, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Dude, you better get out of here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan. Why would he have to go hide? Because you didn't do that. You didn't get in king's faces and go, they cut your head off. You know, they didn't like that sort of thing. You just irritated these guys, they would kill you. Much less standing up and rebuking him in front of everybody. So he rebukes him and says, God's gonna dry up the heavens. People are gonna be miserable because of your sin. And then he took off. <laughs> because, you know, you didn't want to get killed. So he goes out and says, God, God tells him where to go hide. And he's got this great little place for him to hang out. And he says, listen, you'll drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So life is good. He did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. How sweet is this? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work. You don't have to extend energy. You just hang out in this little paradise spot. Nobody knows you're there. You got a little peace and quiet. You got this nice fresh water that you're drinking. And birds are flying in and dropping sandwiches for you to eat, right? <laughs> I mean, this is pretty cool. 
you know, talk about Subway, eat fresh. I mean, this stuff just dropping out of the sky. And, uh, and this is awesome. And, and he's eating and life is great. And, and things are going well. Now, you've got to assume he is digging this. I dig it, right? I mean, this would be really nice. Things are comfortable. Things are going great. But then comes change. Sometime later, we don't know how long it took, but sometime later the brook dries up. Why? Because there had been no rain in the land. Why not? Because he prophesied there wouldn't be any rain in the land. Now, wait a minute. What's happening here? You see, God is dealing with the entire nation. When he spoke and said there won't be any rain, this was going to affect both the wicked people who God was trying to get their attention and good people. You see, sometimes God does things on a very broad scale or allows things to happen on a very broad scale. You may not even understand what's going on, but everybody gets affected, even people of faith. Jesus said that God sends his blessings on the just and the unjust, the rain on the just and the unjust. So when God does really big things, either everybody benefits or everybody suffers. And it's certainly relevant to today when so many people of faith are struggling and they're hurting and they're having a hard time because of the financial downturn that uh, we've experienced. So many people have lost their jobs or things have gotten very, very tight and people are nervous and worrying and churches like ours and many other churches have had to cut budgets and go through all the changes they need to go through. These can be very difficult times. And you think, well, why, God? Why are we having to struggle with this? But you have to remember, when God does things in a big scale or allows things to happen on a big scale, it affects everybody. Everybody gets challenged. And this is what started happening for uh, Elijah. The brook dries up. Why? Because of what is happening all over the country. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. So first of all, God tells him there, this place dries up. He says, when I go over here, he changes things. Things change. Now, again, you have to remember, Elijah probably really liked where he was and was really enjoying it. And by the way, those of you who will come on Wednesday night, we will read this incredible prophet, how he does these amazing things, but eventually he gets very depressed. He gets so depressed, he just wants to die. He just wants to crawl under a tree and die. I mean, here's a guy who God is using in incredible ways. So this stuff is taking its toll on him as well. Change can be rough. Change can be rough if we don't put it in perspective and understand what is going on. And here all of a sudden things start getting messed up and now he's got to move. People don't like to move. People don't like change. I don't like change. Unless things are bad, then I like change. <laughs> because I don't like things bad. But when things are good, things are going well, nobody likes it when that gets messed with. But why does God allow change in our lives? Oftentimes, God does this just to get our attention off of stuff and back on him. Because it's very easy when things are comfortable just to fall in love with comfortable. And the birds are coming and things are easy, and the water is flowing, and everything is good, and we can do whatever we want, whenever we want to do it, and then suddenly it starts to dry up, and it causes us to turn to God. Oftentimes, God will bring change for no other reason, just to snap you out of where you're at, to keep leaning on him and trusting in him. The Bible says 
God says about himself, he says, I'm a jealous God. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Remember, this is the biggie. I'm the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have no other gods. The number one commandment, no other gods before me. Well, what happens is oftentimes we don't necessarily bow down to these things, but oftentimes we, we get more in love with our comfort and it starts to pull our attention away from really trusting in God. And we fight change and we become resistant to change. And, but we have to stay flexible. You know, Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because the old wineskins are all set and they're brittle and hard and you put the new wine in there and you close it up and it starts to expand a little bit and psh, the thing breaks open and you waste everything. He says you've got to put new wine into new wineskins that are supple and, 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 and can take the change. Otherwise, you waste everything. One thing that we need to be careful is that we don't become brittle old wineskins. Somebody say Amen. We've got to stay flexible. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Just <laughs> when things come and things start to change. I want to stay movable so God can use me. I've seen many times in my life when God starts doing new things. And again, God is always messing with people. Messing with the church. Doing things in a different way. You can see the people who flow with it easily. And then the people who just explode and burst. I remember when I first became a Christian 35, 40 years ago, and we were basically just a bunch of hippies. And uh, we got saved and asked Jesus in our hearts. And we weren't doing this in churches. We were doing this in just every, anywhere. People were sharing with us about Christ and, and people were getting saved. And, and in the meanwhile, of course, there's these little churches praying desperately that God would send new people into the church. Well, God did. He sent us. But it wasn't what they were expecting. They weren't expecting it. We showed up. We didn't have shoes on. Why? We didn't want to wear shoes. We had t-shirts. We had jeans with holes in them and hair everywhere. This is when some of us had hair and it was everywhere. I think this is just judgment for all the hair I had everywhere. But, uh, and we came walking into these churches and you had two responses. You had churches who reached out and received them than other churches who just panicked and freaked and they didn't want them and they rejected them. I remember sitting in some churches and the pre preacher reached over and just start pointing right at us, talking about our sinful and our long hair and our hippie jeans and you need, because they thought the only way you could serve God is with a tie. You know what I'm talking about? And it just messed with them because God will bring change. Sometimes it doesn't look like we think, which is what we're going to see here. So he says, go to Zarephath at Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. What did God say? I have commanded a widow to supply you with food. What did that sound like to you? It would sound like I would show up, the widow would say, hey, you're the guy God told me to take care of. Here's a burger, right? That's why you think God is already, this is right, this is the way we think. But the way God commands things and oftentimes the way he says things, the picture we get isn't really quite what you expect, like a bunch of hippies coming into the church, all right? Uh, and, you know, thankful we're not like that anymore. I thank God that the church has lightened up. And certainly we want to be the kind of people that would accept and receive everybody. Amen. Everybody and anybody. 
And that'll mess with some of you. you know, sometimes people will come to church and, and they're having a hard time. They're not dressed very well. Some of them might not smell very well. Some of them might be dressed in ways that make you real uncomfortable. You know, I've had people, ladies come to me and just complain about, I don't know, some of these ladies coming to church, they look like prostitutes. What are you going to do about it, pastor? So I don't know, what are you going to do when prostitutes actually start coming? <laughs> yeah. We need a neon sign out in front. Prostitutes welcome. Ee, 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 ee. So well, I don't like it. My husband looks at him. Well, then slap him upside the head. <laughs> Good grief. Don't get on people. Make them feel bad. We need to love people. Let the love of God change them. What was I talking about? <laughs> so he commands, oh yeah, commands the widow. So you think the widow's going to be there. So he went to Zarephath. Why? There's this widow. God said, I command to take care of you. And when he came to the town gate, the widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, uh, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And nice lady, and she was going to go get it. And as, as she did, he called, and, and, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. So, you know, kind of a, who is this guy? You know, tells me you got some water. Okay, I'll get you some water. In here. Can you grab me a sandwich, too, while you're at it? It's like, who is this guy? Well, this is the widow, right? God said, I got this widow there for you. Well, the widow stops and says, look, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of cooking oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. We're not the most positive outlook on life. You know, <laughs> how you doing? Good, making a sandwich and going to die. You know, I mean, that's, that's, things are bad when you're planning on dying. Right? She seemed to be very comfortable with it. Now, seriously, if you're Elijah, you got to be thinking, wait a minute. What happened to the widow you told to take care of me? Because I'm sure in his mind that meant, you know, hey, here's the food. Sit down. Here's the table. We're going to take care of you. Well, God does take care of him through the widow, but it looks different than the way he thought it would look. It's like when people show up that you aren't expecting or suddenly you uh, our face to make a change you weren't expecting. Make no mistake, some of you guys that really stay focused on God through this time, uh, your life is going to be so much better as a result of this difficult time we're all going through. And later you're going to look back and say, Man, I am so glad that this came. Why? Because look what God did. Because I wouldn't have changed. I would not have gotten out of my comfort zone. Some of you are going to have better jobs than you ever had before. Some of you are going to have more success than you've ever had before. Your life is going to be better. You're going to be more lean, more successful in life than ever before. Why? Because of the difficult time. But those who just get angry and bitter and stuff will miss out on these blessings. Don't freak out when God's blessings come to you in ways that at first don't look like blessings at all. This doesn't look like a lady taking care of him. The lady's ready to die. Not exactly, you know, faith and power. It's more like paste and flour. You know, she's got nothing. <laughs> so Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do just as you said. Make the fire, take the meal, and, and make, make the bread. But first, 
make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make some for yourself and your son. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, the lady's getting ready to eat and die. And you're saying, give me some first? How can that be? Because this is the same God who came to earth and said, listen, if you give, it will be given to you. See, that messes with our heads because we think, God, just give me. Give me a whole bunch of bread and I'll make everybody sandwiches. Right? But the prophet comes, she's ready to die. He says, I'll tell you what, go ahead and do that. But first, give me something to eat. And then he prophesies to her. He says, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So he basically says, you do this. Your little jars will never get empty. Well, come on. That would have to mess with your head. You're telling me instead of taking the last bit I have for me to give it and God will meet my need? That's exactly what he said and this lady said okay and she did it she went ahead and did as Elijah had told her and check what happens so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah So it comes to pass, they never run out. Now again, stop and think, it's great at the end, go, oh, everything turned out great. But stop and think how that had to look the very first day. You take and you pour out all the flour you have left and you pour out whatever cooking oil you've got left and and that's it. Where's the the blessings of God? Where's the provision of God? See, see, I would think the way we would all like it, God says, I'm gonna bless you, is bada boom, poof, big puff of smoke, and the cupboards are full of stuff. And we got stainless steel containers full of cooking oil. And everything's great. Now, yes, praise God. Now I can trust God because I got all this stuff right away. But see, that's not really trusting God. Could God do that? Yes. Can God give you everything you'll ever need to the day you die right now? Yes, he can. It's nothing for him. Seriously, people, he's not freaked out about your circumstances. He's not looking at your situation and going, wow, what are we going to do now? I got nothing. I got nothing. You guys got anything? I got nothing. I got nothing. They need a new car. I'm dead. I got nothing. There's not one circumstance you're having that God cannot handle right now. And handle everything that you need till the day you die. Why don't just pop up right now? Because you would trust in that and quit looking to him. He taught us, give us this day our daily bread. What we say is give us this day all the bread we need for the next couple of years. That's what we want. You know it, you bunch of sinners just like me. That's what we really want. God, give me this day everything I need so I don't got to worry about nothing. Bless this little magic ticket. That's not what he told us to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So what happens is she makes this and it's gone. She, okay, I guess we're going to die. And she gets it the next day and she's going to go, oh, well, I guess there's a little bit more in there. Oh, cool, great. We've got an extra day here. 
We're going to make that. And then they ate it. And okay, well, now we're going to die. And the next day she gets up. She's going to throw it out. Whoa. My eyes aren't so good. There's more stuff in here. I mean, this. And it just kept coming every day. My guess is she'd always pour out what was ever in there. But then there was always more the next day. God continued. Even though everybody everywhere was still suffering horribly because of this famine, this prophet, this woman, and her family continued to have everything they need every day. Why? Because she trusted God. She gave and it was given to her. I'm going to invite the ushers to come at this time and get ready to serve communion. The musicians can get ready to play. As you are encountering change, you really have two responses. Fear that can turn into anger and bitterness or you can stay in a place of faith. Things are changing. Things are changing all around us. Little micro changes, some major changes, even in the church, adjustments that we're going through and stuff. But you know what? It's all going to be good. It's going to be great. Why? Because God is not done with us. We are not just gathering our sticks, getting ready to eat our last meal so we all can die. Okay? We are trusting God. Give us this day. Our daily bread. We give and it is given to us. We are generous in our hearts because of what God has done and He is faithful in His word to us. But make no mistake, life is going to be full of change. You talk about change. We're getting ready to serve communion here. This is when we focus on Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, His body broken, His blood shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. Jesus came in the world to bring change major change how many of you have had your life dramatically changed by the love of God see this, this is what this is about you're surrounded by people I don't know maybe you're here this morning maybe at a different campus listening to this message and, and you think boy I don't really have that I don't really have that kind of faith I've never really experienced God that way and, and you're living your whole life here and you're chasing after this and you're hoping in this and you're relying in yourself and everything is here. But God is saying to you today, hey, it's time for a change. Let go of those things. Trust in me. If you will put your trust in him, the Bible says he is faithful and just. He will forgive you of your sins. But more than just forgive you, now that he forgives you of your sins, he brings new life into you new hope you can start to really experience God that's what this is about church isn't just about hearing about a God way out there and who knows where Christianity is that you can truly experience God in your daily life this is the best change you can experience I'm going to invite, every, about, uh, invite everybody to bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. And if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin to experience this glorious change. Sometimes even that change is uncomfortable as you turn away from wrong and turn to right. But trust me, this is change worth experiencing when you start really experiencing God's best for you. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, 
I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.